Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm Lindsay Foss. I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy and a wellness advocate and educator for first responders and frontline workers. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life, behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. I am so glad you're joining me today because I'm here with my best friend, Meredith. And we are going to talk about how frontline work impacts our families and how our families impact us in our work. Now, Meredith and I have actually known each other since first grade. We grew up down the street from one another, and I actually lived with her family for a short period of time at the end of high school. I asked Meredith to be on the show today because she has an incredibly unique vantage point that I'm so grateful she's willing to share. Meredith is a nurse of 13 years. She was raised in a home where her mom was a nurse and her dad was a paramedic. One of the running jokes as kids about Meredith's family was that whenever we did a school project that we put together at her house, it was always and only held together by medical tape. This was all they ever had in their stationery drawer. In her adult life, Meredith married a wonderful man who serves in the Canadian Armed Forces. Meredith has experience in being a child of frontline workers, the spouse of a frontline worker, and being herself a frontline worker. Meredith and her husband have three beautiful children and live in Western Canada, and today we're going to talk about her experiences of being impacted by the work and our collective thoughts on how to balance the cost of the work to a family with the protection a family offers through connection. Buckle up, you guys. This one is going to be so, so good. Welcome, Meredith, and thank you so much for joining us. I am so excited to talk with you today. So let's start out by talking about what it was like to be raised by two frontline workers. Tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you and your family growing up and some of the impacts that were there for you, good, bad, or otherwise. First of all, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I'm really excited to chat about it. So um, I'll just tell you a bit about my kind of nuclear family that I grew up with. So um, my dad was a paramedic for the city of Calgary. And then my mom is a nurse and worked a variety of jobs, including like the emergency room um, in oncology and hematology in home care in a couple of different areas. So those were my parents. And then it was myself and my sister. And growing up with having two frontline workers, um, I feel very blessed because they did a really great job of protecting me and my sister um, from exposures and the hard kind of reality of what they face at work, which I'm learning as an adult. What goes into that with my children is is lengthy. Um, but it was also so advantageous for us. So an example of something like super fun that I remember is um, my dad, obviously, being a paramedic, emergency planning is a huge 
asset and right. he goes out into homes and deals with the worst of the worst. And so he would run mock scenarios in our house of like crazy situations that we would have to plan our way out of. So fire drills late in the afternoon, early in the morning, my mom would lose it. (laughs) (laughs) My mom would lose it. But my dad would have all these elaborate plans. Same thing. Like, how are you going to get out of your window if it's frozen? And then how are you going to get down from this point? And who are you going to bring with you? And like, are you going to bring your pictures and your journal? No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those kinds of things. But it was just really intentional the care and attention that they went into and in keeping us safe and protecting us from some of those issues and I've learned a lot oh go ahead no I was just gonna say it sounds like it was really well handled like I think sometimes when that happens it can feel like scary it's kind of cool how they handled that in a way that it sounds like you interpreted as kind of fun and interesting I totally have and it's And it's taken me on a really hilarious journey in my career as well. But it was always kind of like a locked room situation. Like if you're ever going to a locked room, I'm definitely the person you want to have with you. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's kind of the approach that they've taught me to take in life is just like, where's your next clue? Where's your next clue? And so that's been helpful, you know, to deal with emergencies and and trauma and and life and hardships and like this year in pandemic like whoa where's your next clue is an understatement um right but yeah it was it was really great hmm so I'm curious about how being raised in that context factored into your decision to become a nurse um Yeah, I kind of had a few different lenses play into me becoming a nurse. Um, I'll just let the cat out of the bag that like Lindsay and I grew up together, which is so amazing. Um, And so she was around with me when I had like some of my own health troubles. And so I spent a bit of time in the hospital as a kid. And then my mom, you know, would talk about her job and what she would do for families and for patients and then my dad always made his job seem super exciting and super fun so initially I wanted to be a paramedic but my dad is very practical and so it's not practical to be on the side of Deerfoot our very big highway in Calgary in the winter and you always want better for your kids so Mm -hmm. he encouraged me to go into nursing and kind of go that pathway but the patient care aspect and kind of the planning that went into it was super interesting to me so along with being a patient and being raised in that environment and having some grandparents that are first responders as well it kind of was a no-brainer for me I knew that's what I wanted to do and they would always say what's your plan b and I would say I don't operate with plan b I do for the record now but at the time stubborn teen I did not so yeah fair that's fair now it sounds like there was a lot of really fantastic things that you experienced about being raised in a frontline family I'm curious if there were harder sides to that for you growing up yes 
but hindsight's always twenty twenty, for sure. So I know now um, that my dad struggled a lot with PTSD and operational stress injuries at work. And I know mm-hmm. now the impact and heaviness that that played um, with him, kind of, right. and how he was able to um, play out his career and some of the decisions he made. And my mom overcompensated for that. So mm. she was always very concerned about our feelings and how we were interpreting um, essentially the hardships that they were facing. And so, yeah, that was just a little bit of a challenge for sure. Um, okay. My dad's coming around now and having tremendous insight and um, having some great conversations about his work and how it affected him and and things like that but in the moment it's very difficult to take off your blinders so you know one of the calls he went in on was um, a teenage kind of homicide situation and coming home from work at the end of the day and then dealing with teenagers and trying to map out his life and make sense of that, he didn't have very great coping strategies for doing that. Right. Right. So what did that feel like for you then as a kid in that space to try to make sense of? Like, it sounds like there's a lot of ways that there were positive experiences of being in that context But I also imagine that there would be some challenges that would arise when you aren't the adult in the space and you are interpreting them through the lens of being the kid um, and maybe don't have all the context for like why dad is being a bit weird today or, you know, why he seems a bit off. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if there's, you know, insight for you into what that felt like to grow up in from the child's perspective. Um. I'm like, it's very interesting to reflect back on what you remember in your childhood versus how you piece it together now in adulthood. Totally. Like from what I can remember and how I felt they were parenting me, and I'm sure if you interviewed them, this would sound very different, (laughs) 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 Um, is just a huge emphasis on different strategies that um, allow you to cope. And despite them maybe not having them or being able to interpret them or utilize them to their full efficacy within our family, making sure that my sister and I, you know, went for a walk every night and got some physical activity, um, got to connect with each other and with my parents, like dinner at the table. I know that's going by the wayside for many, but like such a huge time to connect and just let the weight of the world fly by around you. And... Mm. And like all great parents, you kind of shelter from the hard. And so you want to protect and keep, you know, those barbed wires from the fence away from the little hearts that you're entrusted with. And so honestly, they did do a really great job and they did take into account some 
necessary coping strategies to try and help us long term. And so my dad took a really practical lens of doing that. So he was the one that we did our driver's test with. And he was the one that we did our fire emergencies with. And my mom had a different lens, more centered around our spiritual health and our compassion care and our womanhood, basically. Mm. And so like a pretty well balanced kind of experience basically I feel really lucky with that yeah Yeah, it was really great just to have them work as a team and Mm -hmm. also be transparent when they work we're not working as a team Mm -hmm. so yeah cool okay so having been in that context and raised in the context of kind of knowing what the different pressures were for your family um those experiences and your awareness of the impacts of being a frontline worker from a frontline worker home did you feel better or differently equipped with what to anticipate when you started a family and did you have some thoughts about how you might shape it differently than what you experienced I think like every kid had like my handful of five things that I will quote, never do as a parent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I definitely had those in my mind. And I also had some, a handful of things that I was never going to sacrifice in my parenting. And so um, I can give you some examples maybe. Yeah, I'd love to hear them. So I think my dad will forgive me. He's pretty transparent that um, alcohol is a good crutch for some of the Mm -hmm. hardships that he experienced in his career and in his own life and childhood and things. And so, um, you know, I, I can't even think of how where that kind of shape and mist went went between us but um I took a hard line that that isn't a way that I want to utilize um and cope in my life I'm by no means perfect and have lots of you know skeletons in my closet and dirt under my rug but that was just like one of my hard lines um right so we've had some conversations about that and we try and keep that just out of our household and out of our coping toolbox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So that is one. And then one that has been really important to me is my spirituality and just um, being able to connect and trust and have faith that this world there's more to it and that we are not here alone um Mm -hmm. people typically have kind of a person or a creator or something I absolutely believe in God and so you know that's majorly been a huge factor in how I practice in my work and Mm -hmm. what I try and promote in my family and again like not perfect at all like throwing stones at a glass house I get it Um, (laughs) but that's kind of where I've tried to focus 
and where I've found some relief and some coping strategies in in the angst and the hardships of first responding and some of the things that you see and experience. Hmm. Right. It's like something to anchor into in the midst of it. It is. I was just actually talking to a coworker who's struggling and um, it is like trying to find those places to sink yourself into and feel whole are just transient and you know that 2020 lens is just such a big mirror of how strong and brave we all are in hard times but also exposes the cracks and shows you know where we all live just under the surface and and how hard life is yeah for everyone people that have it great people that have money people that don't have money people with jobs without jobs with kids without kids like I feel like I know zero people that are unscathed absolutely absolutely this has been the year that just hit all of us um I'm so I want to keep us moving and I I want to move into where things are now. So you were raised in this family. You had these experiences that shaped how you move into your own family system. Um, You choose to be a frontline worker yourself. And then on top of that, you marry someone who's also on the front lines. um, And in some ways kind of replicate the frontline married couple dynamic that your parents had Mm -hmm. um, in their own unique way. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, there are ways that it's been helpful to be um, coupled with someone who is also in first response and frontline work and if there are ways that it has surprised you there are all of the above all of the above (laughs) there's like hindsight there's like empathy from my parents there is like a WTF aspect of what have I done there's a, oh my gosh, I feel sorry for Matt. There's like all of it. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit. Matt is your husband. You guys have been married for how long? We just celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary on Thursday. Congratulations. Thank you. Years. That's crazy. And you guys have three kids. We do. Yep. Max is 10. Mavi is three and Maya is one and a half. And they are beautiful, beautiful kids. They're wild. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Matt, Matt works for the armed forces. He does. He um, works for the Department of National Defense with the Canadian Armed Forces in um, the Navy in Calgary here. Okay. So, like, when you think about being connected with someone else who maybe gets aspects of what it is that you see in a day and you get aspects of what he sees in a day, does that feel helpful to you guys? Or are there ways that that's differently challenging? I am so incredibly grateful for his lens and his ability to cope with me. Mm. Like, so, so grateful um, I am an empath that feels with 
every hair on my body and <laughs> like if not for Matt our house would be full of babies that needed homes and furniture that needed out because people needed to flip their houses quickly and our house would just be a disarray like he is mm-hmm. the hard line for sure he's the boundary setter um I oddly enough he's the boundary setter but I'm the enforcer yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah 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 it's interesting mm. he um one of the things I think it was you and I that were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, but like one of my, my favorite pieces about us and about the idea of us, and it could happen with any couple. It doesn't just need to be first responder couples, but Mm -hmm. the grace that we offer each other in regards to the hard days and the Mm. stressful things that we experience um you know everyone has a different way to communicate which is no secret and him and I utilize just a really simple like traffic light emoji and we Mm kind of check in with each other daily to see where we're at in the traffic light I also do that with a group of my um really good friends to see how we're doing and that just allows you without words to position yourself and be the least amount of vulnerable but still vulnerable to say you know this is a hard day or things are going great and not miss each other in the wind because there's nothing worse than one person having the worst day as a first responder coming home to someone who's had the best day and Mm -hmm. you come in and just like vomit your whole life on them and they come in and like are so cheerful and not ready to receive that information. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. I love that system. That's, I like that it kind of bypasses the tendency to be like, Hey, how are you? How you doing? And we just chalk things up to fine, even though we're not fine. Like it's such an autopilot answer that we don't even really consider how we're doing Yeah. before we're answering. Like the words are coming out of our mouth before we've even thought it all the way through. Yeah. I like the light system. It feels like it kind of bypasses that. And it feels like it's been easy to, you know, spread out with the kids. It's a nice visual. Like, it's easy to explain to other people. So it's not, you know, just this really complicated, like, matrix that we're scoring each other on. And (laughs) it's just a check-in on your heart. Right. It's kind of that like kiss principle, right? Like the keep it simple, stupid. Yep. Totally. Like simplifying things that are already complicated enough. And there's so many hard things in a day. That's like one of the things I'm grieving right now is just the fact that I could do something without thinking about it. And now everything has taken on a health Mm -hmm. lens, a COVID lens, a 2020 lens, a like whose needs does this impact greatly? Like, can I do this safely? All of that. Um, Right. Being able to utilize that system is just easy. (laughs) So kind of connecting to that, like my next question was, what are some of the things you worry about for your family and the impact you're concerned about as your family continues to exist in this frontline space together? And as a tag on to that, what I wondered about was, are there additional concerns given COVID risks right now? as you and Matt are both out there and working, 
um, and coming home to your family of three kids. So I will be transparent and say like frontline is a subjective interpretation. So neither Matt or I are exposed to COVID at this time in our roles. Um, So that's taken some pressure off for now. Um, We're not doing great here in Alberta if you're a a stats math person. So we are ramping up some big plans in the future. And Mm. Matt and I have started to engage in conversation, you know, things like family planning and, and care for the kids. And if we both did have to go um, and do very frontline stuff, um, right now we're able to keep our family sheltered. And honestly, I feel so incredibly lucky. We even have the capability for some of the time to work from home. And so it's actually Mm -hmm. been an asset for our kids. They've had lots more FaceTime. Um, from like a mom's heart perspective, the laundry is getting done. So that's just filling me up. Um, bonus. (laughs) (laughs) The benefits from working from home. (laughs) Totally. Um, but there's definitely been conversations about kind of what things will look like. And honestly, I, I don't know if I have a great answer in the looking glass for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really know how to anticipate, like, the stress that the kids will be exposed to. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Part of my job is dealing with um, children with complex medical needs. And Mm -hmm. so um, that's stressful because parents are getting their like supports that they've built up stripped from them and so doing a lot of um project work with that and with the school board and things like that Mm. um but honestly just in our family working on resiliency techniques seriously just trying to stay afloat and pivot is the motto plot twist is like the (laughs) plot twist we yell out in the house like didn't see that coming (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh I love that I like the I like that you brought up the word resilience because um part of what I wonder about is what some of the things are that you and your husband actively try to do as parents to buffer the impact of both your work, but also, I mean, it has been this 2020 pandemic year. So just like the hardness of the world sometimes, like what kinds of things do you guys actively do to try to buffer for your kids what some of that feels like? Um, trying to keep things normal for them. And I know normal is like the most ambiguous term ever. But trying to keep, like, daily routines is Mm. pretty important for all of us. And, like, the more we strayed from them, the more we realized how much we need them. Mm -hmm. So my kids are in day home and my eldest attends school. Um, And we've carried on with that. We have included... um, my parents in our cohort for everyone's mental health. And I know that's just a really hard thing to evaluate for everyone. So 
mm-hmm. everyone has their own places of comfort but that's where ours sits and yeah. you know I joke with people because in February I had attended all of the online classes to try and get my 10 year old off screens I mm. was like drinking the Kool-Aid which I still believe that you know they spend a lot of times on screens and it's hard to get them off mm-hmm. and then March it was just like here's your whole life on your computer I love you right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we all survive <laughs> yeah exactly so we've been doing a lot of family drives a lot of mountain hikes a lot of new traditions inside crafting mm. those kinds of things potty training come on I did potty oh. training I should not leave that out 2020 has been potty kind. training and COVID goodness mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. totally so so there's like some really great ways it sounds like you guys have continued to work at that I love the routine building pieces because you're right those are like again what anchor our brains to like what feels okay and normal so we've been talking about how you buffer your family from some of the impacts by keeping routines and maintaining these pieces what are some of the ways that your family buffers the impact of the work on you? Like, are there specific ways that you lean into some of the things that are um, your family's things that feel like they act as like protective factors? This is just like a shameless plug for my OCD, which isn't necessarily a healthy habit, but I don't know if you've ever heard of Go Clean Co online on Instagram. Okay. And they have like essentially it's like these cleaning clips that are just so therapeutic to me in my soul. And mm. so one of my like healthy unhealthy things that I do at home that my family is well aware of and have called me on is I clean. Like <laughs> this is the coping. Anxiety clean. I call it. So you know if my tub is sparkling, people come over and they're like, Oh, you're having troubles, hey? And I'm like <laughs> Oh yeah, I guess I am. You're welcome. <laughs> Please enjoy the smell of pine. <laughs> welcome to my home. Mm-hmm. Yes. Totally. Um, my kids honestly probably the same as yours and a lot of other people are the intuitive empaths so um you know in conjunction with me totally aligning myself with you know god's plan and and a way that is being shown to me my kids totally you know pick up on the sadness make you laugh I am totally vulnerable in the fact that, like, if I'm a puddle on the floor, my kids will see it. They will mm. learn from that and know that you um, can be weak and brave all at the same time. Totally. And so we have big conversations about that. Um, Matt is honestly just the greatest sounding board and the most intuitive person to me falling apart, which... I mean, it's a crappy job for him, but I will tote the same of me being able to, you know, see him for who he is Mm -hmm. and what he does. So that's just like such a huge blessing to be called out on my crap 
and to be lifted up in it at the same time Mm -hmm. and then yeah yeah, like I know that you don't have 10 year olds yet Linz but yeah just like a 10 year old boy is like an actual slice of heaven they like still Mm. love their moms but are like their own people and make their own jokes and have their own hilarity and lens of the world and so Mm. we in our home we have we have humans and we have best friends and relationships and friendships and and things that happen right in our walls which is so therapeutic yeah that's very cool it sounds like there's like a deep connection to the time that you guys have together which is really fantastic I also think it can be a little bit unique for families who do frontline work because I think um, a lot of the struggle that happens over time if a frontline worker isn't doing their own wellness work and they're like bordering into burnout and they're struggling with resilience is to feel increasingly disconnected even in those spaces where we're like all in the same room but really all we're doing is sharing the same air we're not really like connected totally it sounds like you guys have found some really concrete ways of creating those solid connections i think we've really tried to be mindful of that as well Um, I can say wholeheartedly that from my childhood, my parents passed off shifts and so their time together, they made a lot of sacrifices for us to be out of care. Um, Mm -hmm. bless them. I'm sure it was a little easier on the budget as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was lots of reasons. But they definitely made that sacrifice in the time that they had together to keep the wheels on the bus and keep the household running. And mm-hmm. so um, from, you know, <laughs> Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages is a book that, like, I preach religiously with Matt and I. And mm-hmm. he is quality time. And yeah. so we try and make an effort to to honor that with him he is an introvert and the people that he does need he needs and I mean we have different perspectives on how many people that is I am an introvert so my circle could include 50 people (laughs) but um yeah we try really hard to kind of keep everyone's hearts guarded with that well and like to be able to see each other like to know what you know, if we're using the framework of love languages, which is, I think, a helpful framework in terms of having common language around it, that to be able to like step back and really see each other for what our love language is and how we pour into that intentionally, instead of just like hoping that something sticks is pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard in relationships to speak words out loud and feel like you're being very, very clear and very, very explicit and still not have the resolution of being heard. It's just so defeating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and totally. so um, the level five love languages. Oh my gosh. Five love languages. like a prescription and a necessity for us to be able to not miss each other 
in in regards to our needs that way. That's fantastic. I love that resource plug because I think that resources like that are super valuable. And that's one of the books I love most. Um, and I will try to link to that in the show notes um, when this recording is done, because I think that's super valuable. Um, one of the things that I find in my work with first responders is that interactions with families tend to look a little different. And I think it often depends on how much energy and effort they've poured into their own wellness work. Um, like if they're seeking counseling or other supports to um, kind of bolster their wellness, they tend to be able to do some of these things better um, than others who are struggling more to be connected. Um, so there's like kind of four ways that I tend to see people being with their families. And unfortunately, some of them benefit their families and them more than others. So the first one would be being more like a bystander where we as a parent or as a person in a household are present in body, but are not really connected or involved. We're like disconnected and numb, not present and tuned out. So we're like breathing the same air, but we're not really there. The next version of this is being more like a witness where we're present and we're connected, but as an observer. So we're able to feel in connection to what's being witnessed, but we're not like in on the action with those who are involved. And by and large, when I see people who are more into burnout, that is more where they're spending their time. And it's a bit of a challenge because it is a bit of a detriment to their family, but it's also a detriment to them. Like they're not able to really like, glean the fullness of what their family offers them as protection against some of the hardship of being on the front lines. The next piece is being a participant, which is where you're like in on the action, but others are leading it. So like when your kids come up and say, hey, come play, to be able to choose to say yes, even though you may not feel like saying yes, but allowing that to be an opportunity to like bridge into their world because it lets us feel present and connected and interactive with the action. And it actually lets us feel more of the protective factors that our family offers us. And the last one is instigator. So this is to be like someone who's initiating and creating and leading and prompting others to participate. Um, in our house, this happens when my husband randomly sneaks around a corner and yells ninja fight and everyone bursts into a ninja <laughs> fight and it's fantastic and everyone like soaks in like the laughter and the ridiculousness of every single moment of that I'm curious what you think about that like it sounds like you and Matt have worked really hard at leaning more into kind of that participant or instigator piece where you're quite intentional about your time with your kids so having that framework and those words are helpful and also a really great mirror. So I would say that you might be correct that some of the specific instances in our routine, I've intentionally carved out to be the instigator and I've intentionally carved out Matt to be the instigator. Yeah. Because there are a lot of times where I am the, I think the first one was bystander, right? Yep. Just like hearing the mayhem but not necessarily involved. And that might mm -hmm. actually be the bigger impact that, you know, my work and my life and how I 
interact with people is having on my kids is the fact that, you know, it's hard to set boundaries when your work comes home with you. And it's hard to, you know, leave people in crisis or, um, you know, not answer questions when you're the person and when you're, you like being the helper or the hero, which totally, yeah, is probably me for sure. Um, are like equal parts addictive but also exhausting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like you don't necessarily notice when it bleeds onto other people in your life right you're kind of you kind of just like selflessly feel that you can take this on and you have capacity without acknowledging that maybe other people's capacity is tied to yours or Mm. tethered might be a better word and and how your decision making in regards to boundaries and interactions can affect kind of your safe space at home when it's all blurred totally well and I think that there's like topics that for sure feel important to come back to in other in future shows in terms of like what it looks like to maybe set different boundaries or clear boundaries with ourselves or others around are helping so that we can maybe differently protect some of those pieces. But I think it's also a bit reflective of who we are, right? That we're, we are helpers at heart. We all get into this kind of work because we want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is hard to set that down, even if we know it's maybe good for us to set it down sometimes. Right. Oh, that's just, Yeah. speaking my truth here woman (laughs) like who will do the work if we don't do it Lindsay who (laughs) I know right I know there's this word you used um about your marriage with Matt um where you said you know we just have a lot of grace for each other and I feel like grace is like just the most needed word in the world um because I think there's you know, of of course, grace within your marriage as you kind of get each other's day or the uh, hardness that might have happened in the day. But there's also this like need to extend grace to ourselves that like we're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can with what we know. We don't know all the things. Um, And, you know, like for those listening who maybe do spend more time in bystander or witness mode who are hearing that and feeling like shame that they're not doing it better. This is not what this is about. No, we're just trying to give language to what's happening for you so that we can also then help be more conscientious and intentional about what we're choosing in given moments. Right. So that we can be differently, actively engaged in the process of our lives instead of just like hoping it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And like all of these lessons have tremendous learning and tremendous impact attached to them. And it's, you know, easy to condense into a nice edited envelope of content. Mm -hmm. But I mean... If you, one of my favorite sociology references was my professor saying, if you could do a bird's eye view of our city and take off everyone's roofs of their homes, what would you actually see? Mm. And so it's just so easy to say, you know, we have good family walks and we do these things. Um, It's just so much harder to put into practice, but it is what we are intentionally trying to do to stay well. 
during these difficult times. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Meredith, thank you so much for talking to me today, for sharing with all of us. Um, I really appreciate it. And I'm very sure that our listeners are going to super appreciate this as well. Um, I'm just going to wrap up by saying just as a reminder to all of you listening that you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram to get show updates. You can subscribe or sign up on our website to get emails with weekly updates from the show and with additional tools and resources. Um, I'll include the link to the five love languages resource that we talked about during today's show um, because I think that's super important and helpful. Um, I've included all of the links and details in the show notes as well. So check them out. Um, we really want to support you and your families in having the work you do be a meaningful part of your life without it overtaking you. Um, I hope you'll double down this coming week, especially as we move into the holiday season in intentionally participating and maybe even instigating some silly, lighthearted and memory making moments with your family. Until next time, stay safe.